0: Oh, hello, and welcome back to episode two of the Tapstream podcast, guys. We did it. We uh, we put out an episode, and here we are a week later doing another one. Yeah, the barrier is a little low here for consistency, but I am astounded that I have made it this far. Uh, just to be completely honest, it is stupid late. It is stupid late o'clock. I uh, I had just finished streaming about twenty minutes ago, and I am in the process of winding down. And even though everything in my body was telling me to go to sleep, I have decided to get on and do this real quick recording because I do want to keep making sure that we are doing this podcast. So, at 3:04 a.m., uh here we go. We're going to we're going to jump right into it and I I'm going to go with what I felt was like the most interesting part of last week's episode and just jump into what I've been playing. So, just to give a rundown, if this is your first episode of the Tapstream Podcast, I am a Mixer streamer. I stream at Mixer.com slash Tapstream, where I play a variety of games, and those games happen to include Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. I uh, I talked about this game last week, and I have gotten a little bit further. Um, you know, I had a full week ahead of me to play it, and I, I'm i still digging it. There's not a lot that has changed opinion-wise from last week's review of it, Um And I don't know what else I could say. Yeah, here we go. This is going back to the whole no editing thing. Uh, I don't know. It's just a good time. I finally learned how to surf in that game. So um, that means I'm in Fuchsia City. I just took down Koga. And uh, I am actually, this is one little difference that I'm upset about. They have replaced the Safari Zone with a thing called Go Park. It's essentially their way to transition your Pokemon Go Pokemon into Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah, I know, the names get really confusing, just bear with me. But uh, I was really disappointed to see that that is gone. Um, I know technically Pokemon Go is essentially what Safari Zone was, but uh, I don't know, there's a there's a part of me that misses it. But uh, so yeah, nothing nothing new to report there. One of the new games that I did play, and I don't think I played enough to give a review, but I can kind of give an impression, uh, it is a game that launched on Tuesday called Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. This is an indie game that features a really beautiful art style. And it kind of reminds me of Cuphead in a way, like a hand drawn style to it. Not exactly the old timey uh, homage to the like 30s cartoons, but it does have like a hand drawn style to it. And it's beautiful. Um, essentially, what happens is you are a boy who is attacked by your uncle who's going around turning people into monsters, of which includes you, and you get the ability to turn into a pig. So that's about as far as I got story-wise, but um, I'm digging it, but it's not exactly what I was thinking it was gonna be. So to give it a little bit more of a description, Uh, it is a side-scroller, uh, action-adventure game. Uh, you have a sword and various abilities that you can use to travel the world and find secrets and, uh, continue onward. I have a minor complaint with it. Uh, the platforming feels off to me, mainly because when you jump, you jump really high, but you don't move forward as much as you would think you do. So the platforming is definitely taking some getting used to to me. It feels off, um... The inventory system, I'm not a fan of either. There are sections in this game where you need to equip heavy boots, and that will allow you to explore underwater territories. The problem with that is, and it's a problem you think they would have learned from Ocarina of Time, the problem with that is they make you push start, go to an item wheel, go over to it, equip it, and then exit the menu and continue. And when you're done with the boots, it's just vice versa. So that feels really clunky to me. I'm not liking it. I didn't I didn't get far enough to see how much of a hindrance that will become moving forward, but I know as far as the first impressions go, it, it really didn't leave that good of a taste in my mouth. But uh, the problem with the only the only other problem with that game, and it's not fair to it, is that I happened to stream that game while the the game awards were going on, and. I found myself more curious about the Game Awards than I was the game that I was playing. So it didn't seem right to continue trying to force it. And uh, I eventually made the call to just co-host the stream instead. The Game Awards instead. So yeah, I don't know when I'll get back to putting some more time to it. But I hope I do because it, it looks promising and I, I really want to give it a fair shot. Finally, and this game will explain why I'm up at 3.08 in the morning. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate has finally released. This is easily one of the most anticipated games that I've had for the year. Uh, It is a game that I have been looking forward to and have quoted as being the day the tap stream community will die. Because we will... It will be like a mainstay for my community to play against each other. And Smash Bros. is easily one of those games, kind of like Mario Kart, where it ruins friendships. Of course, all hyperbolically. But, uh... But uh, yeah, I, I am wholeheartedly enjoying this game. <sighs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> the best way to set this, I was browsing the Super Smash Brothers subreddit uh, earlier today, and somebody did one of those joke formats where they said, hey, name a better duo. And they said in one column, I like Smash Brothers, and then the second column, it was butt. And that does seem to be kind of a recurring theme for a lot of people. Uh, everybody's like, oh yeah, I really love this game. But there is this one thing that it does that kind of just feels wrong. And unfortunately, Smash Brothers is one of those that is kind of uh, riddled with a little bit of them. So I guess, where where can I start? I think one of the biggest problems, and probably one if you are any what familiar from, with Smash Bros, have heard already, is people are kind of upset with the way that the unlocking character's mechanic works in this game. Uh, Just to set the stage there are multiple ways that you can unlock characters the one of the quickest ways is to go do a one-stock match against the AI and You can you can honestly just jump off the screen and die and it'll spawn a a Challenger that if you beat you unlock them and they stay in your roster You start off with eight characters, and there is like 74 total characters that you've got to unlock total so Naturally, people are going to be trying to do the quickest unlock that they can. Except Nintendo's decided to put a 10-minute timer between locks, which doesn't make sense to me. It feels weird that they're doing that. Um, You know, Maybe poo-poo on us for trying to find a workaround to unlock the characters the fastest, but when we know all the characters and there's no surprises, it only makes sense that we're going to want to try and rush to our favorite characters, you know? Now, people have found there are ways to get around it. If you do the one stock, immediately die, challenge the approacher, and then lock them. If you restart your game, you could bypass the 10-minute timer. That, you shouldn't have to do that. I feel like that feels cheap. It feels like I'm cheating the system. Um, I feel like... I feel like even doing the one-stock fight is already cheating the system, but maybe if the game would have had a better way of handling the unlocks, we wouldn't have felt incentivized to do that. One of the community members I had suggested a really good idea where it would be nice to see a set of random unlocks, but also be specific, specific ways to accomplish a goal and unlock characters that way. That way, if a person has a favorite, they can do that specific set of goals, and there you go. You have a character unlock while unlocking other characters in the meantime. Um, Putting it behind a 10-minute window just doesn't really feel like the best decision in the world, and I honestly kind of question it. I get there's probably some science between trying to artificially lengthen the time that people are getting out of the game, but I think it's leaving a sour taste more than anything. Now another one of the, the things that I don't like is online. The way that this game is handled online is really cumbersome. So if I wanna host a room and have people join in for the community, I have got to set a room, set the rules, and get the room open. That's pretty standard, that, that's not bad. However, once that room is started, you have people starting to join in. You have what looks to be a main boxing ring where people can place their tokens and that shows who is gonna be in for that particular fight. Now, on the right of that boxing ring, there is what is called the waiting area. You put your token there if you wanna get in next to have a chance at the fighting. Uh, So almost kind of like a line system, like everybody's lining up to play. But on the left side of the ring, there is a thing called spectator mode. So you gotta move and place your token on the spectator side so that you can even watch the match that's taking place uh, for the people who have put their tokens in the ring. I'm pausing so that you can kind of picture that. It's it's cumbersome, right? It gets worse. So if you if you join in, if you join in, you're immediately granted your, your token. Uh, it's not really clear where you're supposed to put your, your, I'm sorry, it's not really clear where you're supposed to go to select your character. So more often than not, a lot of people are selecting Mario as the default, not knowing how to change. And they've already in the ring, Uh, so to, so to change that character, they have to move that token back to the waiting area, move their cursor to the bottom right, select a picture of Mario, change their character, come back, and then replace their token in the center ring so that they can fight. Again, I'm pausing so that you can kind of get a mental image of what that is because this is an audio format, but uh, uh, the bottom line is it is so, so cumbersome. And the worst part of all, if we're playing with a specific set of rules and we decide, you know what, maybe we don't want to have any items in this particular set of games. You have to quit the room, go in, create a list of rules, save it, and then create a new room with that. And there you are back again with the token system. It's bad. It is not a good way to handle online multiplayer. So yeah, and then uh, finally, this is more of a, a nitpick, uh, World of Light is turning out not to be the single player experience I was hoping it to be. Um, the way that it was built, it really felt like it was going to be uh, similar to the subspace emissary from Super Smash Bros. Brawl, where we would have these awesome cinematic cutscenes that are telling a story along the way. I felt like this because when they announced World of Light, they had this epic cinematic where it was showing all the various characters of Super Smash Bros. getting dusted by this mysterious light in the sky, so I was really excited about that. I'm about five hours into World of Light, and I have yet to see a cutscene, and I'm really starting to suspect that there is no accompanying cutscenes. Now, that's on me for getting my hopes up, but even during their Nintendo Directs where they were announcing new characters, they had like rendered cutscenes, there was the one that announced ridley where mario and samus and um i forgot who else were like going down a dark alleyway and you see them all being picked off one by one they even had the one where they announced simon belmont where luigi goes into a castle and he's he's kind of going around scare and he's impaled by death and finally you had the one where uh king k rules announced where he's visiting uh donkey kong and diddy kong So maybe that's on me for getting my hopes up high that those expectations were set. But it is disappointing when you're expecting expecting it and it's not coming through. So again, I I chalk that up as a nitpick. I don't think that's a fault of Nintendo. But it is something that I really wish would have been included in the game. For all the problems it has though, it's hard for me to not be in love with this game. Because I just spent the last six hours streaming and having a hell of a hell of a time i played so many members of my community community members today we had so many matches and i honestly had to just like leave like they kept roping me into one more one more one more but one more of course is an infinite loop that i needed to just escape i don't even think this is gonna be a good podcast because i can feel how tired i am so it might be a bit of a briefer one but yeah it's uh It's what I want out of an online experience. Um, If you've never run a community night before, one of the biggest problems that you have is find a game that, one, everybody has. Two, it's easy for everybody to get into. And three, doesn't put you in this awkward position of trying to figure out who gets to play and who doesn't. Say, for example, Fortnite. Fortnite, the highest amount of people that you can have in a, a particular match is four. If I have like eight people wanting to go, it's really hard to say, hey, you know what? You've had enough time. You get out of here. Uh, swap out with somebody. Like, I don't like having to make that call. But with Super Smash Brothers, the fact that we can all be in the lobby, and even though I hate the way it's set up, the fact that the people who aren't playing can go into spectator mode, even if they're not playing, it still feels like they're part of the experience and they're not just waiting to get in. That's really cool. Another thing you can do is set up a uh, setting where the last last place in a particular match has to swap out with somebody else. So I don't even have to make that call. The game makes it for you. So Super Smash Bros. is is hitting on all the criteria I want out of a multiplayer community night type of game. And I honestly can see it being a mainstay for a really, really long time. Uh, It's going to be really hard trying to... Find how I want to do community nights now because prior to this we had been rocking Mario Kart Which is the perfect community night game and another game called light bearers uh, Which is also perfect in that it allows a lot of people in at once So uh, yeah, I've got I've got to figure that out here in the future and see how I'm gonna handle that but um yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much my thoughts on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate so far. I will probably have more follow updates uh, as I continue to play it, because it will be what I play for the foreseeable month. Whew! Alright, everybody, so that will be what... Uh, that'll wrap up what I've been playing. It is a bit of a brief one this week, but... Um, I don't have a lot to say. I don't have as much critiques about Super Smash Bros. or Monster Boy, like I did of Red Dead Redemption 2. So that will go ahead and move us on to the what I've been watching segment. Uh, for those who know me, know Rooster Teeth is one of the biggest inspirations that I've had growing up. The reason that I have any interest in making online content is because of Red vs. Blue and subsequently Rooster Teeth. I have fallen a little bit out of favor uh, in recent years just because keeping up with whatever they put out is just honestly a full-time job, and I couldn't keep up with them. However, I still listen to their podcast and every now and then occasionally a video that they put out. However, I found myself going back to their website today, and they had a really cool feature that I didn't even know I wanted. It was called Rooster Teeth TV, which is in beta, and it is essentially 24 hours nonstop of just randomized Rooster Teeth content. And I had it on today while I was cleaning, and it was such a great way to both reminisce and watch new stuff that has like, sl- sl- like, synced between the the cracks, slip between the cracks. That's the phrase I'm going for. So yeah, that was honestly that was kind of one of the highlights of my day before I ended up playing Smash tonight. And it's so funny how the mind plays a trick on you because if I were to like say, you know what, I'm gonna watch an on the spot episode by Rooster Teeth. I wouldn't because I'm like, oh, man, I don't have, you know, two hours to dedicate to watching this. I, I, I can't. But however, if it's already in progress and on a randomized loop, hell yeah, I'll throw that on. I don't feel like an extra amount of commitment to it. So it, it's an easier way for me to engage with the content that originally inspired me. And I, I, I like it. I like the whole idea behind it. So uh, I'll probably end up watching that more moving forward. And they have more. They have Achievement Hunter TV, uh, Funhouse TV, and one more I can't remember. But it's a really good idea of Arish Teeth's part. Okay, everybody. Uh, Oh, you know what? Never mind. I got one more thing to talk about before I move on to uh, the two or three trailers that I have left intentionally at the end so that we can talk about spoilers. The other thing that I watched this week was the Game Awards. Game Awards are – award shows in general are really – kind of silly if you if you think about it award shows are really silly even with the oscars i have fallen out of favor with them because it just it really sees like a a popularity contest however the game awards is something that jeff Keeley has been trying to put on for years and if anything i can't deny how admirable it is to see him stick with it through all these years. It has had so many different transformations. It has been from Spike TV to being a... Uh, I think it was a YouTube-only show at once... to now being available on all platforms. And it's coming together really nicely. And it feels more like a celebration than it has in previous years. And I don't know. I think it made me a fan. Uh, I didn't start it off, because as I alluded to during Monster Boy in the Curse Kingdom... The Game Awards was going on simultaneously with my stream. There's a process that a lot of people do called co-streaming. Where they'll take a big event. Say like the Game Awards or E3 or Nintendo Direct. And they will capture it and stream their reactions to it. This is uh, allowed by a lot of big uh, event planners. Because obviously it's free press. And it's easy to get that information across. So... Um, Yeah, it's totally, totally normal thing that people do, but I have never felt confident in doing it. You know, I'm coming up on three years of streaming and I still very much use the video game as a crutch. Um, And it would feel, it would feel weird not having a game and almost like I'm stepping over the toes of the Game Awards show. However, against my better judgment, I actually threw it up on stream and I gotta say it was a really, really fun experience. Being able to share my excitement with the community and also see their excitement through some of the big announcements during the Game Awards was something I haven't felt in three years of streaming. Um, It has definitely opened my eyes, and I I think I'm more than open to doing that again in the future. Uh, It'll probably be a Nintendo Direct, because it feels like we're a really long ways away from any kind of E3 caliber event. (coughs) But yeah... um, Oh, and another thing, at the, the Game Awards, uh, one of the things I think that won me over, and it's something I even think the Oscars could probably take a page out of, was when they finally got to Game of the Year, what they did is they had a live band play the themes from every candidate of for Game of the Year. And the way that they transitioned smoothly from game to game was honestly beautiful, and it... That alone is what helped kind of seal the deal as like a celebration of video games, and it was really classy, and um, I wouldn't mind seeing like something like that happen for movies. Hold on, I got to get a drink of water. Oh, thank you. Six hours of straight talking. I, uh, My voice is definitely coming into the station. but anyway yeah that was the uh that was the game awards i i think i actually you know i look forward to the next one and um that is that so yeah we are speeding along here but i have specifically last left the last three things that i've been watching for the end because i do want to give this blanket spoiler warning if you are trying to avoid all things marvel You might want to go ahead and cut the podcast here, and uh, if you are cutting it, make sure that you follow me at the tapstream on every social media platform that you like, because I am there. With that being said, here we go. All right, everybody. Three, two, one, spoilers. So, the first big Marvel trailer to launch this week is a little trailer called Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson as the titular character, and I was actually streaming while the trailer went live. And I have... It's really cool to me. I've yet to go back and watch it because I feel like I would look like a, a doofus. But you can actually see my reactions in real time as I watch the trailer. And I'm really happy that I have that preserved. Um, I, I'm a Marvel fanboy. I have no platform to stand on. But I was a little disappointed to hear how little the first Captain Marvel trailer was resonating with people. The second one is, I think, leaps and bounds better than the first one, and it has got me so excited to see what Captain Marvel is going to bring to the cinematic universe, um, that final shot of her like flying through space, basically in Super Saiyan mode, has me all kinds of hype, and I, I keep alluding to it on stream, I can finally say it now, we have no excuse anymore for not having a live action Dragon Ball Z movie, Captain Marvel proves that you can totally pull off the Super Saiyan effect, she looked incredibly badass. And also, I don't know a lot about Captain Marvel, but it seems like there's some significance to her and her pet cat, maybe the cat not being exactly what it's billed to be, and I I really love the tension they're ratcheting up between Nick Fury and the cat, and uh, the possibility of Nick Fury losing his eye. So, yeah, that's just a little, a little that's me going a little too far into the Reddit uh, theorizing territory. Then, (laughs) finally, the biggest one. One that I have been waiting for for the last couple of weeks. I've been tweeting about it. I've been hyping it up. I've been falling for all sorts of rumors that said it was coming. And it is finally here. The Avengers 4 trailer dropped on Friday morning. And I immediately stopped what I was doing at work to run to my dad to show him. Dad, My dad's my boss. I was like, look, it's here. And we watched it. It is different in what I was expecting. So much more somber than I thought it was going to be, but rightfully so, given the way that Infinity War ended. <clears throat> and uh, I still have no idea where they're going to go with Avengers 4, which I can refer to now. They finally revert, they revealed the name. Avengers 4. I'm sorry. Avengers Endgame. My money was on the, on the, the movie being called Avengers Eternal but I think I like the Endgame title a lot. The only reason why I wasn't calling my shot for it being Endgame was because the Russo brothers specifically said that the title had not been spoken in the movie. Clearly that is not true because Doctor Strange does say we're in the Endgame now uh, during Infinity War. Regardless, uh, the trailer opens up with Tony Stark uh, adrift in space and recording a message for Pepper Potts. He's listing out uh, how things are pretty much dire straight, and he doesn't think he's going to make it back. And he just wanted to send Pepper Potts one final message that he cares about her. That was such a gut-wrenching way to open the trailer. And the way that it is just showing how defeated the Avengers are after going toe-to-toe with Thanos Thanos is... I don't know, man. It's sombering. It, it brings back all the feelings I had of watching the snap take place and just sitting there awestruck, thinking there's no way that they would end the movie this way. And yet they did. And The trailer continues on and we see uh, we see shots of the different Avengers dealing with it. Uh, Thor, probably the most, since he did not go for the head. Uh, he said so much without it saying anything at all. And uh, we finally get to see that Hawkeye is back under, well, they don't actually name him, but apparently the rumor is that he's a new character called a Ronin. I guess that is a transformation that Hawkeye has become, and I'm really curious to figure out what that's going to be, because I have no idea. My speculation is that his family member, which was a stab, a family members, which were established in the Age of Ultron movie, have unfortunately suffered the fate of the snap. And he is out for revenge just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So it's really cool to get confirmation that he's coming back because he was like one of the biggest uh, points of contention for the first movie. Everybody wondering where the hell Clint was. So I'm glad to see that he is back. (sighs) I am a Captain America fanboy to put it simply. And maybe it doesn't mean much, but for me personally, Captain America stole the trailer. Whenever, whenever Black Widow tries to reassure him that their plan is going to work, Tony responds with um, something to the long extent of, I know, because I don't know what I will do if it doesn't. That line actually started making me tear up when I heard it at work. Um, to me, that is, is the embodiment of, of Cap. You know... In the very first movie, oh, God, I'm going to show my lack of knowledge here. In the very first movie where um, he's asked if he wants to kill the enemy, he says, I don't like bullies no matter where they're from. You know, Cap never wants to be the aggressor, but he's more than willing, more than willing to stand up for what he believes in. So the fact that he says the line, I don't know what I'll do if it doesn't, shows just how on edge he is, but he's still remaining... Some sense of morality he has as Captain America. It's such a great line. It gets me so pumped to see how he's going to deal with the fact that Thanos has taken half of everything that he loves. Half of all life. How is he going to write this injustice? Oh, God. I'm so excited. I'm so freaking excited. And then, of course, it's a Marvel movie. It can't have a trailer without ending on a laugh. Seeing uh, seeing Scott Lang at the door of the Avengers Tower and trying to like reconnect with Cap after so long since Civil War. You know, it got a big laugh out of me and uh it's leaving me wondering just how the hell Scott got out of the quantum zone. But we are still still far away from it so all this is just speculation at this point and uh we're going to have to see. Now, the last trailer I did want to bring up, I did mention 3. We were allegedly supposed to get a trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home Saturday, but it seems like that trailer has been delayed. It feels really weird to hear that we're going to get a Spider-Man trailer, Um, especially because if you watched Infinity War, you know Peter Parker suffered a very dust-worthy fate, to put it jokingly. So I don't know how they're going to handle marketing this movie because Spider-Man Far From Home comes out after the Avengers 4 movie. So it's going to be some weird gymnastics between those three movies trying to not give away one another uh, with their promotional material. If this was a specifically Marvel Studios show, I would feel more comfortable. But the fact that Sony still has marketing rights to Spider-Man Far From Home and they have already shown their tendency to spoil a lot with Spider-Man Homecoming – I honestly think I might not watch the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. I'm just really worried about things being revealed to me before I'm ready to have them revealed. So, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, man. Uh, I'll probably just read reviews and see what people think if the trailer gives anything too much away. All right, guys, that about does it. Sorry if this is a bit of a low-energy podcast. I did want to make sure that I got in here and recorded this. Uh, It is now 3.33 a.m., We did it, guys, two weeks in a row, two freaking weeks in a row. This is the most I've ever posted podcast back to back. So I do want to thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I look forward to keeping this up for next week. So, guys, if you did enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to it and give stars and ratings for wherever it is appropriate for your platform of choice. Uh, If you enjoy me personally and want to hear more of my thoughts. At the Tapstream on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube are the main places that you can find me for bite-sized content. But if you're in the mood to see the stream and longer form, mixer.com/thetapstream, where you can find me streaming Monday through Saturday at 7:30 p.m. Central Standard Time. So, with that being said, I look forward to seeing you in the future. Oh, and actually we have a Discord. If you'd like to be a part of this community, we have a Discord. If you go to the tapstream.com, Go to the either the menu bar if you're on mobile or on the left if you're on desktop and look for a link that says Discord. Click that and you'll get a link and it will be automatically joined into the community. It's open to everybody. We'd love to have you. We'd love to hear from you. But that'll do it for me, everybody. See you later. Love you. Have a good week. Oh, you know what? Uh, what was I going to say? How about this? Because I'm always curious. I'm always curious uh, to try and get some uh, engagement for the people that are listening. Tweet at the tap stream, my highlight of the week was, and let me know what it is. You can use the tap stream highlight as a hashtag too if you want to be able to uh, be a little bit more organized for me to read them all. All right, everybody. I love your faces, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.